will be from Psalms chapter 65 and verse number 4. There are Bibles there in the chair back in front of you, as well as the verse will appear on the screen as well. Psalms chapter 65 and verse number 4. Those who are able, if you'll stand at this time uh, for the reading of God's Word, I'll read as you follow along. The Bible says, Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in the courts, in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of the holy temple. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for uh, the opportunity. Amen. Thank you for that. Well, I appreciate uh, all we've heard already this morning and glad you're here. And uh, we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. And uh, we'll finish up with this one this morning, uh, which is uh, on the Spirit's fruit, it's, it's goodness. And so I'm going to pray and we'll, we'll jump right in to our message. Well, wasn't that a good song this morning? That was good. Uh, you better know it, nothing ever can, nothing ever will defeat the Lord our God. The Bible tells us we're more than conquerors. You know what that means? And the Bible says that you and I have the opportunity, the privilege, the honor to come boldly into His presence. And uh, you know, some days, even like today, in fact, if this was a selfie and I could flip the screen and you all saw what I'm looking at right now, you don't look like you're more than conquerors. You, you look like you've been whooped. Now, come on, you're in church. If you're saved, you're on your way to heaven. And uh, nothing ever can, nothing ever will. And uh, boy, that, that ought to be a reminder to us. Now, if you're not sure you're going to heaven, then go for it. You, you, got, you got every reason in the world to be grumpy. You say, is that too plain? Hey, speak the truth, right? Come on. But if you're saved and you profess to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, man, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. And uh, I appreciate that song. What a good song. And so uh, we're, we're going we're to jump right in, and I won't flip the screen around and let you see what I'm looking at. And some of you are saying, well, hey, Pastor, you're not so much to look at yourself. I know. I know. I get that. I, that's why I haven't done that. Have you seen the 10-year challenge on social media? I haven't, I haven't done that uh, because I, I would be terrified um, we were in California. We saw so, so many, many friends from where we first started ministry. And, you know, you, you, people say, oh, you haven't changed a bit. And I'm thinking, dude, you're such a liar, <laughs> you know? Uh, but, but thanks anyway. And uh, so I haven't done the 10-year challenge. I don't even know if I'm going to do the 10-week challenge. But uh, nonetheless, hey, let's, uh, man, I'm glad to be in God's house this morning. I'm glad to know that heaven's my home. And uh, lots to be happy about, lots to rejoice about, and uh, thank the Lord for that, and great job, and uh, happy birthday, Lauren. Oh, sorry, I just thought I'd throw that out there, Um, so I won't embarrass her, but anyway, great job by the group there today, and everything's been good. So let's pray. Lord, help us, guide, direct our words and our thoughts today. Speak to our hearts, Lord. We pray, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been talking about goodness. Goodness is moral excellence, generosity, kindness, choosing right over wrong. It's uprightness in our heart and in our spirit. It's been said that it is God's character meeting man's potential. And so we learn about goodness from God. 
The first thing that we notice about God is that God gave us a place. It's church. Very quickly, I'll hustle through these points that we've already covered. It's a place to gather. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And some people say, well, I just have church at home. And, uh, uh, but God gave us a place. And uh, I understand what people talk about. I'm not going to run down that road. I chase, too many, I, ch- I chase enough rabbits in church. But I believe that this is the place that God has given us, the word ecclesia. It is a called-out assembly of believers. That's a local New Testament church. That's what this is. And so God's given us a place together. But it's not just a place together. It's a place to get. And so when we come to the house of God, we ought to be saying every time we show up for church, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. Um, Every time you and I are in the house of God, God has something for you. And come seeking, come hungry, uh, come with an expectation. Pray that God would help me, but also come with a, a heart that's open. And, uh, you know, it's uh, some, have you ever gone out to eat at a nice place and you weren't hungry? That's the worst thing is, uh, you know, someone's taking you out and, and, uh, or you're going out and, uh, and man, you, you just don't have any room. Well, sometimes when we come to church, it's because we're filled with everything else. We spent six days filling ourselves with, with every, all the cravings and everything the world has to offer. And so we don't have any room for anything God has. So when you come to church, come expecting God to do something for you, God to give you something. Then the third thing we mentioned was God gives us a place to gather, a place to get, and a place to give. We give several things when we're at the Lord's house. First thing we give is our time, our time. You take time out of your calendar, your schedule to be in the Lord's house. Not just our time, but our talents. Anybody that was up here singing or leading the music or playing an instrument, those are talents that God gives us for using. Someone standing in a, in a uh, class this morning, or those that are uh, Justin and Carmen, I think, are working with the, uh, the children's church right now. That is giving what God has given you and putting it to use. It's also our tithe and offerings. Uh, I mention it uh, very, very clearly. I'm, I try to mention it every week. I don't, I don't preach sermons necessarily on giving. But there's nothing wrong with doing that, but it's very clearly taught from Old Testament all the way to the New Testament. Um, and uh, by the way, God's a giver, the greatest example, for God so loved the world that He gave. That's not old, that's new. And uh, giving is taught clearly through Scripture, but it's how the work of God continues. And so when we give, you, uh, you keep the lights on, you pay the mortgage. You know, every month, the bank is expecting us to pay nearly $14,000 in a mortgage payment every month, and hopefully your mortgage isn't quite like that. If it is, you're probably not tithing. But... Um, <laughs> If it's that big, you probably can't afford to. But nonetheless, um, you know, our lights are kept on. Everything you've seen in terms of, you know, thousands that we've spent this year in terms of carpeting and paint and and, uh, remodels, this and that, all the things that have been done, those all cost money, vehicles and so forth. And so uh, we give, uh, so it's a place together, a place to get, a place to give, our time, our talents, our treasures. And then the fourth thing that we mentioned, it is a place to grow. And uh, I'm not where I should be, but I'm not where I once was. And one of the greatest things that we get from the house of God is that, that we have the opportunity to grow in our faith and uh, uh, grow in our, our, our Christian uh, walk with the Lord. Uh, so then, then we said, first of all, God gives us a place. Secondly, God gives us a boost. He does that several ways through encouragement. And uh, the Bible's very, very clear on that. Um, you get encouraged by the presence of other believers, you know, we use the, expre- the expression, there's strength in numbers. 
But I guarantee you, you garner strength and encouragement by every child of God, particularly when they go through something and you see their faith, their faith tested, their faith challenged, and many times we're strengthened as a result of it. Um, I've thought of that many times as you see people go through. uh, In fact, David said it in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And I guarantee you, one of the reasons he understood that was from personal experience, but also the testimony of others. So you see it as a place of encouragement. God gives us a boost in terms of promise, provision, and uh, protection. Then the last thing that we covered last week, and I'm hustling right onto this, is God gives us a space to repent. The Bible tells us particularly about Thyatira, and this is so important, talking about the churches of Asia. And to Thyatira, he said, I gave you a space to repent, but you did not. Everybody that's ever drawn a breath, sometimes people say, well, is... What about those who've never heard the gospel? Well, the Bible tells us the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth His handiwork. Everyone that's ever drawn a breath has had an opportunity at salvation. And God's will is for everybody to be saved. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Anybody that dies without Christ missed the will of God. Because while I do not know God's specific will and direction for everybody in life, but I do know this, God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. God wants everybody to go to heaven. Hell was created for the devil and his angels, the Bible tells us. But the Bible also tells us that it hath enlarged itself. And more people who leave this life leave in an unrepentant state and leave to a godless eternity, a Christless eternity. Um, But if you're here today and you've trusted Jesus Christ, you understand God gave you a window, a season, a space to repent. Sometimes people make a gross mistake, a miscalculation here. They say, I'm going to get saved when I'm ready. Well, the fact is, you don't come to God. The Bible says there is none that seeketh after God. We don't come into this world looking for a God. Um, What happens is that we don't come unless the Holy Spirit draws us. And you never know when your moment, your greatest season or window of opportunity is. I I believe with all of my heart, because the Bible tells Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, I think it is, my spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh. If God speaks to your heart, God brings conviction and direction into your life and says, hey, you need to repent of your sins. You need to turn to Jesus Christ. You need to ask God for forgiveness of your sins. You need to take Him as your personal Savior, and you say, not now. Do you realize you're risking hell? You're risking eternity. You might think, well, I'm going to come back next week, or I'm going to, I can talk to God on the way home. Hey, listen, you could be here today and gone today. I don't say that to frighten anybody, but the fact of the matter is, boast not thyself of tomorrow, the Bible says, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. The Bible tells us, what is your life? It is but a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. You know, I'm 57, and as I look back, man, it has flown by. It it has been staggering to me how quickly it's, it's gone by. I was speaking several times this week. My wife and I were down there at Faith Baptist Canoga Park where we started. And what a, what a fantastic ministry. I mean, just a signature ministry for a Christian school and so forth and all of that. But man, as I, as I was walking into some of those rooms, walking in across that campus, and I was thinking, where did the time go? That's 35 years ago. We, we set foot onto that property for the very first time, and it just seems like yesterday. And so, li- listen, I, I, I have preached and, and personally been involved in sermons of teenagers and college and college age young people and children that are in the double digits. 
So don't ever think that, man, I've got my entire life in front of you. You don't have any guarantee of tomorrow. And I get some of them are tragic stories, you know, this a car accident or a passenger to vehicle or, or this, uh, just one thing after another, tragic situations. I don't say that to frighten anybody, but I, when the Spirit is calling and when God's Spirit is leading and directing in your life, don't say no. The Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. God said, I gave Thyatira a space, a window, a season, an opportunity, and they repented not of their evil deeds. And the Bible says that God hath commanded us that you must be born again. It's not, that's not my word. It's not, it's not the word or the will of man, but it is the word and the will of God. And so g- the goodness of God, we say all of that because we're talking rap- rap- surrounding around the word goodness. And the Bible says, the goodness of God leadeth man to repentance. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions, they fail not. The Bible tells us that His mercies are new every morning. The very fact that you're in church today, November 24th, 2019, is God's grace and mercy to you. There's nothing else. You say, no, I planned on this. (laughs) No, no, no. I, I figured out, I got it, and last night I determined I'm going to go to church today, and this is where I'm going to go to Timberline. That's good, and those are all of our plans, but the fact is, it was God's mercy, goodness, and long-suffering that allowed us to be here today. Make no mistake about that. And so, we see God gives us a place, God gives us a boost, and God gives us space to repent. Then, may I, may I say this further? We understand in goodness, and this is all new territory, so I want to jump right in. God expects us to be good to one another. The Bible tells us as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. There are several thoughts that I would want to bring up here uh, with that. You know, you, there, are, <laughs> there are some people in life we just don't want to be good to. Okay, don't raise your hands on this, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to throw it out here, okay? Probably there are some times in life where you just don't even want to be a good Christian. There's sometimes in life where you probably just want to say, can I just be ticked off right now? I know I'm supposed to be nice to her, but I, I got to tell you, I don't want to. And I know I'm supposed to love her. Okay, I love her, but I don't like her very much. Or I know I'm supposed to be kind to this particular person, but I don't want to. And most of the time, we feel fairly justified in feeling that way. Well, they wronged me. They wounded me. They hurt me. They said something. Or maybe I just don't like them. They get on my last nerve. They bug me whatever. And so we, we start treating people that way. But God's very clear, <coughs> as we therefore have opportunity. In other words, God says, every chance you get, be good to people. Man, we're heading into a season where, by the way, people will typically be a little kinder. You can say Merry Christmas, and by the way, you should. In fact, every opportunity you have to say, Mary, when they throw happy holidays, and I'm not opposed to happy holidays, but when they throw happy holidays at you, let them have a good Merry Christmas. You say, why? Because I want Christ to be in there. You know, I I don't even like going by a Christmas tree lot when they say Xmas trees. Now, if you bought yours there, it's okay. I'm not, I'm not angry at them, and they might say, well, we meant that. We just didn't have room on the signs. But X in algebra means the unknown. And I just don't like it. Now, you say, Pastor, is that your opinion or is it Bible? Eh, it's not Bible. It's my opinion. And so I, I'm the one with the mic right now, so forgive me. But I love Jesus Christ, and I love Christmas. 
And when I get a chance to say, Merry Christmas, I don't want to say, Happy Holidays. I don't want to say, Season's Greetings. I mean, those are all nice, but they're, they're, they're kind of benign. Am I, am I, some of you are looking at me like, Pastor, leave that alone. Can I get an amen on a Merry Christmas? Now, I say all that to say this. We're, we're, we're right on the cusp of Black Friday, and now Black Friday has become Gray Thursday, right? Because you remember the days, nothing open, back in the day, nothing was open on Thanksgiving Day. I mean, nothing. It was like if you shopped on Thanksgiving Day, you, maybe, you weren't, maybe you weren't even saved, okay? You were going to purgatory at least, you know? And it doesn't exist, so forgive me if you're wondering, okay? But uh, just want to throw that out there, okay? Some of you thinking, oh, he believes in that. No, I don't, okay? Um, about as much as the Easter Bunny, okay? But on Thursday evening, Friday, you know what? Your Christianity is going to be really tested, you know? There have been so many times over the years where I take, I take my family shopping, and we, we always have these, these deals, you know, we, we're, we buy every newspaper in the country, and we'd look through all those flyers, you know, it's like, that's the only paper you get all year, you know, and so you, you pick out that one for Thanksgiving, who's got this sale, this, what, what can I go buy today, and then take back next week when I realize I probably didn't actually need it, big screen TV or whatever, you know, because it was only whatever, but uh, so how many of you do that? Yes, amen, Okay. But on those days, as you're zipping through the parking lot, you don't feel like being a good Christian. As you're zipping through the parking lot and you're waiting for that one person, you know, and you saw them get to their car, so you floor it down that lane, right? You saw them, they're getting in their car, they got all these packages, man, you're ready. This, yeah, this is a spot, this is awesome. And then you see them dump them in the trunk, they're going back for round two. I, I don't like those people. The worst is when you pull up to them, and this is Bible right here. When you pull up behind them, they all get in the car, and they're on their phones. They put their packages in there. They strap, you know, Junior and Junior 2 in their seat belts, in their car seats. They close the doors, and she sits in the car, and she's on her cell phone. I don't want to be a good Christian. I want to lay on that horn. Come on. Some of you say, Pastor, you're terrible. All right? I, this is how my family reacts. I'm just trying to express it. Um, Okay, not really. Maybe it is me. I don't know. Um, but uh, you're waiting for them to, them to back out, and you, you, do, you, know, uh, you say, how do you know this? Because it happened to us last night. We saw this lady and her kids all get in the car. We're over at Bridgeport, which is like parking in purgatory anyway. I mean, like going there, it's a nice place to walk around and, you know, you grab a bite to eat here or there. But where do you park? Come on, say amen. I'm preaching Bible this morning. So I pull up behind this lady, and uh, she gets her car, sticks everything in there, and uh, just, just waited, waited. Being, at first, I'm being a good Christian, you know? I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever, you know, you know, and, uh, you know, whatever. But then she doesn't move. So one of my, one of my children who, who was in the vehicle with us, I guess I shouldn't say one of my children. We only have one at home right now. <laughs> uh, sorry, Lord. Happy birthday to you. So then Lauren says, Dad, are you really going to keep waiting? And I was waiting. But, but I'll be honest with you, my patience was, was gone. Because the worst thing is you know that as soon as you make the decision to pass up that space, they're putting it in reverse. And that's wicked. That's a sin. I'm telling you, it's terrible. Now, I say all that to say this. This is the season when your Christianity and your faith really gets challenged. You'll see some people you don't really want to see. 
You'll be around some people, and your, your faith will be challenged. God says, your goodness, my goodness is demonstrated in spite of how I'm treated. You say, how do you know that? Because the goodness of God that leads us to repentance is Jesus Christ wrapping himself in a robe of flesh, hanging on Calvary for your sins and mine, knowing this, most of humanity would reject him. He knew when he died that there would be very, I'm telling you right now, small percentage in human history have ever turned and trusted Jesus Christ as the only hope of salvation. But he said, I'm going to do it anyway. And he did. And in spite of the fact that they, they beat him, and he was not even recognizable. They gambled for his clothes. And it, just the, the horrific nature of uh, crucifixion. And he did all of that. And God says, that's goodness. And we think about somebody that we can't stand. Somebody that I don't want to see. Somebody that I don't want to be nice to. Somebody that I don't want to forgive. Somebody that I, that I, I, I just... I just don't care for it all. So our goodness is to be demonstrated several ways, very, very quickly. Right words, what we say. I was talking about this in our connection group this morning regarding our children. By the way, I'm going to encourage you, if you don't go to a connection group, you ought to go to one. Where's Robert? Robert's in here somewhere. Maybe he's out on security. But Robert and Michelle have a class, connection group, adult class. Uh, Where's Adam? Adam in here, okay? Adam in the back, college age. Uh, Joe, where's Joe? Joe back there with him. Joe's got the, the uh, what do you call it, fourth quarter, right? Okay, and I'm almost a fourth quarter, but I'm going to stick with my class, just so you know. Um, and my wife and I, we have the uh, young couples. Where's Margaret? Margaret's in here somewhere. Uh, Margaret, who does such a fantastic job with everything. By the way, I don't know why I'm doing this public service announcement, but I'm going to throw it out there. But she helps run the nursery, and man, God bless you for that. My wife and I were talking about you this week and all that you do with that. Thank you so much for that. It's the reason we get to have church. Thank you. But she teaches a class, single ladies, right? And uh, who, who am I forget? The teens, the teens, and, and every age group. And we do the young, young adults, so that's a public service announcement. But I'm going to tell you something. You ought to take advantage of those opportunities. So we've been talking about ch- children and child rearing. And I was talking this morning particularly about, and did I forget anybody? Tony, Michelle, did I forget anybody? Okay, if I did, forgive me. But I I was talking about how important it is the things that we say, particularly to our children. I was talking about disciplining and anger. I've done that. Maybe nobody else has. Everybody's looking at me like, well, I'm glad you said so, because I have never done such a thing. I have. I've disciplined my children and had to go back and apologize for it. That's the worst. When When you do that, you know, ugh. And you know you were wrong. But the Bible tells us our goodness is demonstrated many times because God expects us to be good to others. And one of the key things is what you say because what you say is remembered long after you leave. I use the example of Jacob who said to Reuben, all the family is gathered there. When they gave the blessing, typically in those days, the entire family, generations would be present. They're all seated there. The eldest is up at the front, and he he places his hands on them. Reuben, thou art unstable as water, thou shalt not excel. Was it prophetic? Yes, of course. I know talking about the tribes of Israel. But in that moment, Jacob says something diminutive to his children, one after another, in front of everybody. How do you think Reuben felt? And how do people feel? Listen, are people better when you're around or when you leave? Was that too blunt? 
Face it, there are some people you love to be around. And if you start to think about one of the reasons why, I guarantee you one of the chief points is they're good people to be around. Why? Because they're kind. They're good with their words. They're not always critical. They're not tearing down. And by the way, it's easy. One of the easiest things to do is to rip people up and criticize them. It's one of the most foolish things to do. But it's pretty easy. But are people better be, because of your presence or your absence? Just be good. And, and by the way, we've lost that in our culture. And I'm not getting into the whole political spectrum. Don't have time to run down that road today. But I'll tell you, I wish people, and if you have to get off social media to do it, stay away from those silly, petty arguments about whatever. I mean, really, at the end of the day, nobody really cares about your opinion. They really don't even want to see your dessert that you ate last night. Unless you're bringing some over. So, so be good. God expects us to be good to others in terms of what we say. So secondly, our right actions, what we do. How we treat each other. Because our, our words speak loudly. But our actions are so critical, so important, particularly in the home, particularly in our family. What do we do? We could say, well, this is what I want to do. And, and it's hard sometimes to follow that up with our actions. Then the third thing, our right attitudes, how we treat one another. So God expects us to be good to others with right words, right actions, and right attitudes. Then fifthly, God expects us to be good to ourselves. Notice this verse, James 4, 17, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. You say, what are, we, what are you talking about? Here we go. God expects us to be good to ourselves, first of all, by how am I living? How am I living? Am I living my life in a way? I've said this before. I don't think I've said it in a while. But if, if I came to your workplace and asked your coworkers if you were a Christian, what would they say? Now, I'm not talking about your, your pious. I'm not talking about you go around waving your Bible in the workplace. That's not what I'm talking about. But I mean, the way you treat people. I'm talking about your words. I'm talking about your demeanor. I mean, hey, I'm talking about your communication, what you talk about. I, I, I'm talking about the language you use. Hey, listen, you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Hey, listen, I, I grew up in a military home, loved my dad, but he never forgot any of the words that he learned when he went off to war. <laughs> and by the way, neither have I. Okay? Neither have I. But I don't practice them. Now, there, there are times when I want to write them down on paper and wave them real fast so I don't have to say them. But that's kind of how I feel, right? Come on, can, you guys are leaving me hanging this morning. But what do people think about us? And, and so one of the questions when, when God says, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And there's a whole lot in my life that, is, that God is very, very clear about. I mentioned this morning in Connection Group, one of, the, one of the clearest and easiest examples of a command in Scripture is studying and reading the Word of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. This book of the law shall not depart. The Bible's very, very clear. Study to show thyself approved. Old Testament, New Testament, you, you call it. But yet most people, in fact, I wouldn't ask for a show of hands. I wouldn't do it. But if I asked right now, how many of you read even one verse of Scripture 
for each of the last seven days. Now, I don't want to, don't, don't, don't raise your hands. I don't want anybody to raise your hands. But I want you to ask yourselves that. And if I asked you, if as a child of God, should you be reading about Yeah, 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 that's basic, that's elemental. But do we do it? And so, what is my life like? Am I, am I demonstrating goodness? You say, all of this ties back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long suffering, so on and so forth. And we get to the one, goodness. Am I, listen, would anybody say about you or me? Oh, okay, I'll just, not to be morbid, but if I were laid out here in a casket right now, okay? If I were there right now, when people walk by, other than saying, oh, he looks so natural. Which, by the way, don't say that about me. If I, if I look natural dead, that's a bad thing. Okay, oh, they did a good job, you know. <laughs> you know, where'd they get that hair from the back? I don't know. But if, but if I'm laying here, all right, come on, stay with me. Just trying to let, inject a little bit of humor in there because I don't want to sound too morbid. Thank you, don't throw books. <laughs> so I'm laying out here in the casket. Would there be anybody that would say, you know, he was a good guy. Now flip it. If that's you or that's me, what would they say? I remember preaching a funeral for a, for a gentleman. I did not even know him. And in the community that we lived, I, I told our, our funeral homes in our area, I said, if you ever have somebody that needs a pastor and they don't, they don't have a pastor, but they want somebody to preach a funeral, I said, call me and I'll do it. And the reason I did it was because I wanted an opportunity to give the gospel. And so I, w- I would, and I never preached that this person was in heaven. But I always preached that if this person is in heaven and you have any hope of seeing them again, the only way is through the finished work of Jesus Christ. So I wasn't preaching them into heaven. I wasn't saying they were there. But I was, I was preaching one, and a guy told me after, he said, he said, Pastor, he said, this guy. He said, man, this guy, he, he began to name the list of sins. He said, that was this guy. He said, man, he said, I can't think of anything good about him. And he was, he was, his, he was a sibling. And he said, this is how he treated his family and went, went through the list and list and list and list. And I said, well, I said, if he's in heaven, it won't be because of any of that. It'll be because the blood of Jesus Christ covers all of that. But I thought about after he's telling me all this, I'm thinking, man, what are they going to say about you? What are they going to say about me? God says the child of God is identified by that fruit of the Spirit. One of the chief characteristics is he's a good guy. She's a good person. Let me ask you this. Are people better because of you? Hey, it's, it's a simple question. But it's a real challenge because I have to look at myself and think, anybody want me around? And if they do, it'll be because we're practicing goodness. God expects us to be good to ourselves. How am I living? Just very, very quickly, I'm going to say this and I'll be done. Am I a giver or am I a taker? We talk about that in terms of, I'm not talking about that necessarily or completely in terms of our offerings. But most people who regularly attend church are consumers, not producers. 
Sometimes people say, well, I go to this church because of what they give me, because of what they offer. They have this, they have this. And we become consumer-driven instead of what do we offer? What do we bring? Because the first thing we ought to bring is ourselves, of course, but we ought to bring our, our worship. We ought to bring our praise. We ought to bring a great spirit. That doesn't mean you don't come to church beat down from the cares of this world. Because on any given Sunday, somebody comes in here and nobody knows what they faced this past week or this past month, and you're carrying the weight of the world. And by the way, God bless you for that, and I don't mean that in a flippant, light way. But I'm going to tell you this. God says, be good to each other, but be good to yourself. How do I do that? I do it by living right. By living right. By obeying those commands that are so clear in Scripture. So those moments when you don't feel like being a good Christian, that's when God says that's when you you need to be at your best. Because to be honest with you, you probably know someone right now who's going through it, and you just don't feel like being a good Christian. But you know what? They need you. They need you to be that light in their life. They need you to be that witness. They need you to be that testimony. But it won't happen without the goodness of God, first of all, leading you to repentance and the goodness that leads you to have a changed life that is good to people. I wish I could tell you that every time I've been around people, I've always wanted to just demonstrate goodness because there's sometimes the old flesh kicks in and I want to give them a piece of my mind. You know, I, I realize this. At 57, if I'd given everybody a piece of my mind in the last 57 years, there wouldn't be much left. What I want to give is a picture of grace and a picture of goodness. So as we approach this holiday season particularly, and this week, oh, in fact, this is probably the most scriptural holiday on the calendar, Thanksgiving. Think about how good God's been to you and then say, now God, let me demonstrate that to others. Shall we stand with our heads bowed, our eyes closed?